everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We are proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned for my next guest, Jeff Ayers. He's great. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're here with me tonight. I hope everybody is well, staying safe, enjoying books, reading, writing, whatever it is you like to do, even listening. Tonight, I have with me a very special gentleman. Jeff Ayers is a book reviewer, professional extraordinaire. He writes for the AP. He writes for Booklist, for Library Journal. He also hosts a podcast with John Robb from Suspense (laughs) Magazine and Suspense Books. Oh, my God. He does so much. But he also is a writer himself. Um, He wrote a Star Trek fiction companion and several other books of both fiction and nonfiction. I cannot wait to hear about that. Um, let me just jump to the jump to the chase here. Jeff Ayers, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Well, this guy sounds great. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to say, in the green room, we were talking about all the people that Jeff knows, because anybody who writes a book knows about Jeff Ayers or finds out about him somehow. He knows everyone. As a matter of fact, he has kind of an unofficial nickname for for Thriller Fest, which is the mayor of Thriller Fest, because he does know absolutely everyone. And Jeff and I came into contact just kind of a couple of months ago, was it, when we when we did that video? We were recording a oh, video yeah. with, with with Jeff Abbott. And and yep. Jeff Ayers was our producer, and it was wonderful, and it was so much fun. So I enjoyed talking to Jeff Ayers as much as Jeff Abbott, <laughs> so I invited him to come on the show. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That was, that was I'm, I'm thrilled that you came on. So I know you're a writer, and I know you're a reviewer, but which came first in, in your life line? What started you off being involved in books? I loved books since I was a little kid. Um, I discovered reading when I think I was three is what my mom always told me. And you would never see me without a book in my hand. And I became fascinated by the world of books. And I started haunting the bookstores, started haunting libraries. And my very first job actually was a page in a library. And that ended up being my career. I was a librarian for a number of years. In fact, I just recently retired from uh, the public library. I did not know that about you. That is fascinating. I would have been setting up a cot and sleeping in a library because I love them so much. I figured it was a great way to be surrounded by the books and also be paid. And uh, one day I discovered, wait a minute, I want to write a book too. (laughs) But the truth is you asked the question, which came first? And the answer is reviews came first. Um, I was um, a selector at the library system I worked in. And my boss at the time uh, was Nancy Pearl. And uh, some of your listeners might know Nancy as the only librarian in the world that has her own action figure. And um, she has it has shushing action. It's really cool. But uh, <laughs> um, 
kind of love it. I was, I was, I was in her office, and she was on the phone with the Library Journal, and they were looking for new reviewers. And she hands me the phone, and I did a review of the book I was reading at the time on the spot. And um, they said, "Oh, great. Okay, um, can you uh, send us something?" And I said, "Sure." So I went back to my desk and I sent them off a review. And they told me it'd be two to three weeks. And it was about 10 minutes later that they said, you're officially a reviewer for Library Journal. Like, okay, cool. Hey, do you remember which book you reviewed, your first book for Library Journal? Um, Yes. And um, this is kind of ironic. This was before he started doing the Publishing Empire. It was actually a James Patterson book. (laughs) I love that. Is that not the most ironic thing in the world? <laughs> that is so yeah. funny. Wow. So, um, fast forward a few years, and um, there was budget cuts, and I ended up being a um, clerk, from being a selector to a clerk at the library overnight. And wow. I, was having, I was having one of those midlife crisis, and my wife said, you've always wanted to write. Why don't you do that? And I had just reviewed a book for Library Journal, and I'll mention the book in a minute. Um, And I had this sudden thought, well, why don't I interview the guy who wrote that book? So I contacted Library Journal, and they said, oh, you you know, if we would have done that, we would have run it with the review. Sorry. And so the thought of interviewing this guy just wouldn't go away. So I ended up uh, approaching my local newspaper. I'm in Seattle. And they said, all right, we'll give you a shot. Sure, go ahead and do the interview with the author. And uh, then I realized, wait a minute, I've never written an interview with an author in my life, and maybe I should have asked the author. (laughs) 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 So I did it the wrong way. So I contacted the publisher and contacted the author, and the author agreed. And so my very first author interview was a guy named Dan Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah. He has the best-selling yeah, book da in Vinci the world. Code. Yep. Yeah, Da Vinci Code was the book I reviewed. So he, I geez. have Dan Brown to thank for getting me started in actually beyond doing book reviews. That's amazing. Boy, so um, how many reviews and interviews do you think you've done since you started with Library Journal? Um, I would say probably several thousand. It's amazing. Do yeah, you have um, a, a a favorite, and do you have a not favorite one that didn't go so well, as far as an interview uh, is concerned? Do you have a favorite that you've done? Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> um, I would. I know say it's asking the, you to choose which kids you like the best, right? Or but but you know. Some people, it just it just goes. Excuse me, I have a whining cat who wants to sit down with the oh, interview. Okay. Um, <laughs> butterscotch. I'm a kitty. I love kitties. What's the name? Butter? Butterscotch. Yeah, he's my only boy. I have nice. four others that are girls. Yeah, but anyway. Oh, um, okay. So, what was your Scratch favorite interview? <laughs> there you go. What was your favorite interview? <laughs> um, my favorite interview was probably Bob Crace. And the reason I say that is because he just opened up his heart to me. And 
I learned so much about myself at the same time. And one of the things that I still am amazed by is I ended up not being able to use a huge chunk of that interview I did with him because of a word count limit. And there was stuff in there that it was, I wanted to put in there so desperately, and it just wouldn't work for the interview to work. And um, I still <laughs> thank him to this day for just being so open and great with me. You know, yeah, I've interviewed nice, him several nice times. He's a super nice guy. I've gone to several of his book signings when he's been down in Florida. And it's really interesting to me that he is one of the few authors who, at a signing, will actually read passages from his book. And I was fascinated by that because, you know, we all take in a book as individuals. We There's... There's no collective energy surrounding a bunch of people reading the same book. We don't get the same feeling. We don't form the same ideas about characters or storylines or anything else. But hearing dialogue and hearing just the writer's words of those stories, because he's one of my favorite, favorite authors of all time, um, to me was a gift, wasn't it? Oh, Definitely. It's a gift yeah. to listen to oh. him talk. And I like the fact that he said he's been asked to option his books hundreds of times. He will never do it. He said, I don't want my characters to be destroyed by somebody else's vision. He also said that he doesn't go into a great deal of description about the physicality of his characters, which I appreciated because I have a vision of what Elvison Pike look like but I don't it's probably not the same as anybody else's so he you know people ask him well if you were going to cast the role who would you cast he said I wouldn't and and that was interesting to me well after seeing the movie Hostage with Bruce Willis I can fully understand why he doesn't want to give up the rights to those characters sure <laughs> oh man absolutely but um, yeah uh, absolutely I was I was at a book expo uh, and I saw he was doing a signing so I just got in line to say hi and a person next to me was asking me what I did and I was telling them I was a book reviewer and a writer. And uh, they said, well, you know, are you a big fan of, you know, Robert Grayson? I said, love his stuff. I'm just in line to say, hi, I already have the book because, you know, the publisher already sent it to me to review. Right. And the person didn't believe me and they're like, Oh sure. And so I get up there <laughs> and Bob sees me and his publicist sees me and they go, Jeff, how you doing? What's going on? Why are you waiting in line? And the person staying next to me also gives me this look, you know, of like, oh, my gosh, you weren't lying to me at all. And from that point on, after I left, that person followed me around for like 20 minutes trying to. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it is kind of, so, I mean, yes. yeah, it is. You know, there's a certain sense of, um, I think, appreciation when people know that you talk to writers. Um, and especially. You and I are lucky because we read across genre. We read a lot of different authors. I think the average reader probably chooses the same, maybe 10 authors to read or 12 authors throughout their, you know, their year. They read one book a month and it's always the same. I think you and I are lucky, oh. Jeff, and people in this business who, who get to interact with writers and meet them in person and read all kinds of different stories. So are you a fan uh, of one agree. particular are you a fan of any one particular genre? Um, thrillers are my are my jam, but uh, to be honest, I read sci-fi, I read so uh, I. history, and mm -hmm. um, I really like a good nonfiction. And 
especially now because I'm researching a, a novel I'm writing. And so it's a lot of reading nonfiction. And so I really appreciate the people who can write really good nonfiction narratively. So what kind of nonfiction are you talking about telling a true story about crime or a place or history, or are you talking about a bi- biography, an autobiography or a memoir? Cause they're totally different kinds of, right. of nonfiction. Yeah. I'm really fascinated by um, how things are created. And uh, there was a book by Richard Snow a while back about how Disneyland was created. And that right. was fascinating to me. Um, and I'm currently reading H.W. Brands, and he's written a book about the history of the American West. And just the thought of, you know, um, so long ago, it would take you two weeks to get from Washington, D.C. to Philadelphia. Now you can, you can hop on a train and be there in an hour and a half. Right. Just <laughs> that stuff fascinates me. Right. Yeah, I understand. I would imagine so. Obviously, you like science fiction because you wrote um, you wrote about Star Wars. Let's talk about Star Wars. Do you remember well, seeing Trek. the first? Well, oh, oh, is it Star Trek? I put Star Wars. What am I stupid? Yeah. I, I no, must. No, I must have lost people, A lot of people, people who don't follow don't the the um, franchise, I like them both. Do get them mixed up all the time. I, I do too. Well, I, I like them both, but. I'm sorry. I, I put Star Wars, and I should have said Star Trek. So do you remember seeing the first one? Yes. Tell me. What was your reaction? <laughs> when, I was, when, when I was a little kid, um, I saw an episode where there was this big rock creature that was uh, eating rocks and killing people yeah. who are miners. <laughs> yep. And I thought, this is fascinating. And I thought it was a monster of the week type show. And then when they end up telling you that, no, this is actually just a mom protecting her kids. I went, Whoa, what is this? You know, totally surprised me because it just totally took the monster of the week and made you realize that it wasn't a monster at all. And I love that. And I loved just the whole look at humanity that that show did. And I, I was hooked. And so I've been a fan of Star Trek ever since. And even the new incarnations up through. Uh, I like Star them Trek all Picard too. And... Yeah, I like them all yeah. too. I, I think they're fascinating. It's kind of like opposite of how we're living now. It's a very, you know, idyllic kind of, commu- you know, vibe going on in, in the universe, but, um, but uh, not really true. I mean, obviously it kind of feels dystopian well, now. So. <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, Star Trek's always been a reflection of our current times. Yes. And then projecting that we can do better. And I yes. like that. And especially now, the show is a little darker than I'm used to. But on the other hand, since it's reflecting our current times, I wouldn't expect it to be any different. So let me ask you this. Was that your first published book? The, yes. the was, Voyages was, of Imagination? Yes, it was. Um, I had been buying all the Star Trek novels up to that point, and I still get them. And there was over 550 of them at that time wow. when that book came out. And so basically my book was a guide to all the novels. Wow. Are you there? 
Jeff, did I lose you? Oh, there you are. Okay. Can sorry, you... you buzzed out for a minute. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, so it was it was an oral history of the book, or oral history of Star Trek, and a reflection on the shows and also the writers and why they were inspired to write about Star Trek. And it was officially licensed and everything, and it was wonderful to be part of that. How fabulous for you. Now, you just released an, um, a book in June, did you not? Uh, no. I wish I had. Like, that's oh, another okay. guy who stole my name. That's a different so that's the guy record, who stole your name. Okay. Yeah, no. Go ahead. The, um, I'm not the guy who did the Skate the Thief. Okay. I'm also not the basketball player. I'm not no, the I'm sure. uh, comic book store <laughs> owner. And I'm also not uh, the guy who wears the baby bop costume in Barney. Oh, good. Good. I'm so glad. So so tell me, <laughs> who are you then? <laughs> who are you I, then? I ask, I, ask, I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you no, writing I, another I, book? Let's find. Let's do this. Are you writing another book? Yes. So, um, a couple of years ago, I had a book deal with a publisher, a major publisher, to um, do a conspiracy thriller. And um, because of publishing changes and stuff, I ended up taking the book back. And so my agent is shopping that again. Good. Um, it's about Galileo, and I loved writing that book. Um, I wow. also have a cozy mystery that I wrote with another author, and uh, my agent is shopping that as well. And she also is currently working on a contract for me to do a nonfiction book. How wonderful! So you're and, and then I'm also working on a, a thriller. And you're so constantly yeah, in the state of writing. You're always writing, whether you're interviewing, whether you're reviewing, whether you're writing your own books, or you're doing your podcast with John Robb, you are always, always writing, aren't you? Um, I would say yes, um, but there are times like when I was working as a producer on Virtual Thriller Fest this year, right. there was times I couldn't, but I was still involved with the writing process because I was trying to help wonderful writers. And wonderful folks like yourself. Ah, thank you. So let's talk about Virtual Thriller Fest, because you handled Master Craft Fest, Virtual Master Craft Fest, correct? Did you do some of the other interviews, the video interviews as well? I did two interviews for that. I I was supposed to do three, but one of the persons I was supposed to interview um, because of the pandemic and because they were working on a new movie, um, Mm -hmm. we ended up not being able to do it. And I totally understand that. So, how many yeah, video so, casts did you did you produce for Virtual Thriller Fest? Um, over a hundred. What did you, as a writer, learn from doing those video casts? I learned that the number one rule is there's no rules. Right. I and that's fascinating to me because every single person will tell you the one thing and that one thing is always different. And so I, so I I remember when um, I got to go fishing with my grandfather before he passed away, he went to this place every year for like 30 years. It was off the coast of um, Vancouver Island. It was an isolated place. You had to fly in by seaplane and I'd never been fishing in my life and I was terrible at it. 
And so what I did is I went to everybody in that place and I said, how do you catch a fish? And each person said, this is the one way to catch a fish. And each person told me something different. Different, yeah. And so what, I, so what I did is I took that information, put it into my wheelhouse, like, okay, what can I do with these things? Right. Worked out, this is how I can do this and make it work. And I went out and caught a fish. You worked out your one thing, what your one thing was for you. Yes, yes. And I see that as writing is the same way. It's everybody has their own thing that makes it work for them. And it might be the same for me, but it might be different. And it's about adapting to make it work for you. Because if you take someone else's advice and that doesn't work for you, then you're going to be frustrated and not succeed. That's how I see it. Interesting. So um, I'm going to skip back to something I said in my introduction. I want to know what John Grisham had to say. (laughs) Well, the wonderful thing, um, first of all, uh, when I asked, I never thought in a million years he'd say yes. So that was really cool. Uh, He was one of those authors I've always wanted to talk to. Right. And to me, it was about how do you, motivate yourself when you're the when you're a household name right have you, you know he he could stop writing today and people would still consider him you know a household name and talk about his career but he continues to keep going and if you think about it his brand is different he's done nonfiction. he's written books about baseball yep you know and he doesn't do series and it was fascinating to me because i always love the and I bring this up on the podcast I do with John Robb. Why do some people write series and why do some people not? And again, it falls into the, you know, series. What works for you. Standalone. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And also because he was an author who wrote a book and nobody bought it. Absolutely. Nobody bought it. He was trying to sell it out of his trunk of his car and was not succeeding. But then he turned around and wrote the firm, and then all of a sudden, boom! There you go. And, <laughs> yeah, I love to listen to him speak guy. to that very gentle southern accent, but it's so refined, and he's so eloquent when he speaks. It it makes me want to. Well, I have all of his books, so but it makes me want to go back and reread them, kind of in his voice. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he because should, he should he, do uh, audiobooks of his work. He really should do cool. his own audiobooks. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, are you an audiobook fan? Uh, sometimes. Um, I will admit that when I was, when we were able to actually go out and do things, I listened to a lot of audiobooks driving. But now that I'm stuck at home, i am discovered that I prefer just the print at this point. Right. Um, I have never listened to an audiobook ever. I'm afraid that if I don't keep my concentration on, on the words on a page or on my Kindle, that I'll drift off. Something else will come into my mind and it'll become like ambient noise to me. Although everyone swears that's not true, that you get into the book. But I know how it is. Like when, I, when I'm vacuuming, like I'll turn on ABBA. And I end up putting the vacuum down and dancing around my living room, you know. So I can't imagine me staying single-mindedly mindedly focused on 
the narrator's voice. So what You're I find fascinating. You're become a dancing queen? Am, am I reflecting this question? Yes, that is exactly okay. correct. And SOS. Okay. Absolutely. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, so well, knowing me, knowing you. you. Anyway, uh, yes. There you go. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> or Fernando. Um, <laughs> I have the whole, I have the entire CD series. You don't even have to go there. Um, so here's what I want to ask you. Too. Thank you. I love you. What do you think about the resurgence of audio dramas? And I say resurgence because in our folks' time, before television, they listened to serialized radio shows. And now many people are doing audio dramas, which I find fascinating, with multiple characters, as few as two and as many as 40, I think. Uh, what do you think about that? I absolutely love it. Um, any way that you can express yourself as a writer to tell the story you want to tell, whether it be on the page, whether it be on film, whether it be audio, I love it. And it's really neat to know that, let's say, I read this book and go, I really like this book. And then, oh, wait, there's an audio version that has a multiple cast. I'm going right. to I'm going to listen to that for sure. Um, there was a few years ago, um, back to Star Trek, um, the guy who played Q on Next Generation, he and Leonard Nimoy, um, they did a thing called Alien Voices, and they did radio ad- adaptations of classic sci-fi novels like H.G. Wells' The Time Machine and things like that, and those wow. were fantastic. Well, yeah, I, I wish they would I'd continue to do those. Here's some trivia for you. The guy who played Q was a nerd on my soap opera that I watched when I was in junior high Days of our lives. Yes. Eugene Bradford. (laughs) That's him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Stefano DeMiro, the Phoenix. Yeah. No, I I, I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I know I I promise you it only take 20 minutes, but I could talk to you for hours because, you know, we have so many things in common. Um, your recommendations for a nonfiction book for listeners. Oh, wow. Um, I really like what Brad Meltzer has been doing with nonfiction lately. He's taking uh, historical figures that we all know, like George Washington right. and Abraham Lincoln, and putting a thriller spin on it, but it's real. So he talks about the first conspiracy was the attempt to try and assassinate George Washington before he became president. There was the attempt on Lincoln's life before he made it to the first inauguration. Um, Both of those books are absolutely fascinating. So I would highly recommend those. They're great for crime. They're great for history. But he also does the children's series just like that too. I am George Washington, or he picks a character from, 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 either history or even more current and writes a great children's series too. He's a very creative man. You know, he's very talented. Oh, he is. He's done graphic novels and uh, his regular novels are great too. Yeah. No, I was just amazed by how much he is able to make actual history read like a thriller. And both of those books I highly recommend. Okay. Best thriller that you're recommending right now right now mm-hmm. um i would say uh jason pinter's hideaway oh yeah it's great 
That's a good book. Yeah. Jason well, good. was on too. Yeah, like well, I like okay. Jason and all Loved his people. It. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got some real good writing chops. Of course, that's how he started off before Polis and Agora. For those of you who don't know, Jason Pinter is the publisher of Polis Books and its imprint Agora. Um, what is yep. the most Love it. Uh, the book that didn't get the recognition it deserved? That's interesting. Um, I boy, that's, that's really good. Um, I would say the series that I feel like isn't getting the visual and oomph that it deserves is the Orphan X series by Greg Hurwitz. Yeah. Are you familiar with those? Oh yeah. God, I love those. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say another one that should have been the where the crawdads sing book and i don't know why it wasn't was marsh king's daughter by karen dion karen's going to be on next uh, next month yeah she got oh, a lot of reviews she like got re- terrific yes i haven't read it yet i'm waiting for this publicist to, to send it to me um yeah oh. i i agree with you i think that her i think marsh king's daughter i thought everybody knew about that she had great reviews and i'll bet you're right. It should have been just as good as Crawdads. It, it should have been, you know, and she's yeah. a terrific lady too. Very funny, very kind. Um, do you read Yeah, when I got Crawdads and read it, I went, why is this one? <laughs> right. Um, why this and not this? Exactly. Um, do yeah. you read fantasy uh, at all? I read some. Um, I'm a big Terry Brooks fan. Um, mm-hmm. The Shannara books I'm a, I really, really like. Um, and I've, of course, read the Game of Thrones because – I think that's a requirement. But, you know uh, who I I, I like? I actually like. Well, I like James. I like Jim Butcher's books. I like the Dresden Files, I, I, very very much. That was my first, my first turn on into the fantasy genre. Um, I also like Naomi Novik. I love Lee Bardugo. Oh my God. Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom were just amazing. <laughs> I just I just love those books. Um, as far as well, – uh, go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask you a question. Um, so a book I've been told to read, and I never did until now. I have it in my hands. It's Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And, and I heard it was I've great, and I have told. not read it yet. I've not read it yet, okay. but I've, I've heard – my friends are saying it's a great book. I'm You and I are probably alike, Jeff. We probably have as many books on the to be read shelf as, as are on the already read shelf, and including <laughs> exactly. stuff in Kindle. So, I mean, my second bedroom is now a library. I'm not joking. There's not a surface in my home that that doesn't have a book on it. But I'm actually way I'm anxious to read um, Daniel Silva's new book because I love Gabriel Alon. I think he's a great character, and I, I wish that I wish that. Uh, Robert Crace would write faster. I want another Elvis and Joe book. And I'm anxious to see uh, Michael Conley's Lincoln Lawyer book because all the cast comes together again. So I'm I'm looking oh, forward to that. Good. Yeah. Do you read Robert yeah. Downey? I do. And I love yeah. his books. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I have his new book, The Last Agent, which is a follow-up to the, um, of course, Don Blanking it was a follow-up to the Eighth Sister, and I'm right. really looking forward to diving into that. that I am terrific. looking for a, rec- a recommendation for a techno thriller. 
because I love techno thrillers so much. Or a really good spy book, like um, let me let me think let me think about a good spy book that really sent me so over the edge. You're talking about like Mark Greeny or a. Um, I've re- like re- read all Mark's. I, I've got all their books. Matt Bentley and and Mark Greeny. I've read all their books. I have that. I want something really high tech, like um, I am Pilgrim. Or um, I have a friend, Terrence Ooh. McCauley, who wrote the uh, who wrote um, the university series, very high tech, you know, um, techno thriller spy stuff. I really like. Like I'm still, give me Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and I'm a happy camper. And anything in there, anything in Ludlam, I love. Uh, my friend Brian Freeman just came out with his new book, which is oh, in the Ludlam. In the Bournes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The yep. So I love the Bournes. I like I, oh, a see, lot of that old I, stuff. I wish Gail Lenz was writing still because um, I yeah. love her spy stuff so much. Yeah, yeah. She got me hooked on the it. genre. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had, you know, David Morrell hooked me on the genre with Brotherhood of the Rose. And when I first oh, I met him, book. yeah, me too. You should see my book. It's tattered. The <laughs> covers scotch tape together. So, and this kind of brings in John Land, by the way. Um, I, well, the first thriller well, fest I went, I know the first thriller fest I I um, went to. Um, John was the media contact person, and so I had books with me in my. I brought like hardly any clothes, but I brought all my books of people that I wanted to sign. Plus, I must I I think I bought like a hundred more books. But I had this tattered and torn copy of Brotherhood of the Rose by David Morrell. For those of you who don't know, and, you know, he's probably just born yesterday. He is the creator of Rambo. But anyway, I walked up to David. <laughs> well, first of all, John says, come on, I'm going to introduce you to David Morrell. I was almost in tears. <laughs> I was so excited to meet him. And I, ha- I hand him my book, and John says, get rid of this. Go buy yourself a new book. And I said, no, I've, I've read this book 20 times. And God bless David Morrell. He he takes takes my hand. He gets the book. He goes, John, leave her alone. He said, this is a well-loved and well-read book. And so he signed <laughs> that book and then went over to the book table and at, at, at the book room and then picked up Shimmer, which was his next book that had just come out, and signed that one for me also. So that's my story with uh, with having my book signed by, to me, the ultimate spy novel, the first one that I ever read that I, I fell in love with. So um, my David Morrell story is that I was teaching a class with another writer on editing and mm-hmm. we had a big crowd and David Morrell was the keynote speaker at this conference and David Morrell walks in, waves at us and then goes and sits in the audience. And I said, hold on, hold on. And I said, <laughs> what are you doing? And he goes, well, I came to listen to you. And I said, no, no, no you're getting up here. <laughs> So he came up, and so the three of us taught this class on the spot, and it was it was yeah. the most surreal experience ever. And I just loved, I still remember just how amazing that was. That I'm, I know. I, I often invite him. I often invite him to be a guest host because he's just so fascinating to listen to. We are out of time. And I'm so sad for that because I really want to continue to talk to you, but I have another guest coming up. Jeff, where can everyone find you for your books, your reviews, and just to chat with you on social media? Um, Pretty much the only thing I stay on is Facebook nowadays, so you can find me on Facebook. Um, I try to avoid social media, to be honest, and 
um, my agent's trying to get me to get a website set up. So I'm one of those <laughs> that uh, tries to lay as low as possible. <laughs> okay. Um, now, oh, and real quick, I should find... announce something to your listeners. Yes, please do. Um, um, I am the new co-director of Thriller Fest. Yay! You and, and, um, and Kim are going to do it together? Uh, Kim is now the director of ITW. Of ITW. And I'm going to be, yeah, and then I'm going to be uh, working as a co-director with a woman named Jessica Saunders. And she's terrific. Fantastic. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. I'm thrilled for you. I am thrilled for you. Um, Jeff, where can we find your reviews? Um, Well, you can Google my name. And as long as, like I said, you avoid the other ones I mentioned, um, just put my name in Associated Press and everything pops up. You had a link to the Muckrack. That has a lot of my reviews as well. Yes, I have that. Thank you so much for coming on with me tonight. I have so enjoyed just talking books with you. It it gives me a thrill to um, to be able to chat with someone who loves books as, and on writers as much as I do. Thank you so much for being with me. Do you promise to come back? It's been a pleasure. I promise to come back just uh, anytime. I'll be here. Thanks, Jeff. And thanks, listeners. I'm so thanks. glad you were here tonight. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We are proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned for my next guest, Jeff Ayers. He's great. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're here with me tonight. I hope everybody is well, staying safe, enjoying books, reading, writing, whatever it is you like to do, even listening. Tonight, I have with me a very special gentleman. Jeff Ayers is a book reviewer, professional extraordinaire. He writes for the AP. He writes for Booklist, for Library Journal. He also hosts a podcast with John Robb from Suspense (laughs) Magazine and Suspense Books. Oh, my God. He does so much. But he also is a writer himself. Um, he wrote a Star Trek fiction companion and several other books of both fiction and nonfiction. I cannot wait to hear about that. Um, and let me just jump to the, jump to the chase here. Jeff Ayers, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Well, this guy sounds great. Where is he? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I have to say, in the green room, we were talking about all the people that Jeff knows, because anybody who writes a book 
knows about Jeff Ayers or finds out about him somehow. He knows everyone. As a matter of fact, he has kind of an unofficial nickname for, for Thriller Fest, which is the mayor of Thriller Fest, because he does know absolutely everyone. And Jeff and I came into contact just kind of a couple months ago, was it, when we, when we did that video? We were recording a oh, video yeah. with, with, with Jeff Abbott, and, and yep. Jeff Ayers was our producer, and it was wonderful, and it was so much fun. So I enjoyed talking to Jeff Ayers as much as Jeff Abbott. <laughs> so I invited him to come on the show. <laughs> no, thank you for that. That was, that was I'm, I'm thrilled that you came on. So I know you're a writer, and I know you're a reviewer, but which came first in, in your life line? What started you off being involved in books? I loved books since I was a little kid. Um, I discovered reading when I think I was three is what my mom always told me. And you would never see me without a book in my hand. And I became fascinated by the world of books. And I started haunting the bookstores, started haunting libraries. And my very first job actually was a page in a library. And that ended up being my career. I was a librarian for a number of years. In fact, I just recently retired from uh, the public library. I did not know that about you. That is fascinating. I would have been setting up a cot and sleeping in a library because I love them so much. I figured it was a great way to be surrounded by the books and also be paid. And uh, one day I discovered, wait a minute, I want to write a book too. <laughs> but the truth is, you asked the question, which came first? And the answer is reviews came first. Uh, I was um, a selector at the library system I worked in. And my boss at the time uh, is, was Nancy Pearl. And uh, some of your listeners might know Nancy as the only librarian in the world that has her own action figure. So and, cool. Um, she has sh it has shushing action. It's really cool. But uh, <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> I was I was I was in her office and she was on the phone with the library journal, and they were looking for new reviewers. And she hands me the phone and I did a review of the book I was reading at the time on the spot, and um, they said, "Oh, great. Okay, um, can you uh, send us something?" And I said, "Sure." So. I went back to my desk and I sent them off a review and they told me it'd be two to three weeks. And it was about 10 minutes later that they said, you're officially a reviewer for library journal. Like, okay, cool. Hey, do you remember which book you reviewed your first book for library journal? Um, yes. And um, this is kind of ironic. This was before he started doing the publishing empire. It was actually a James Patterson book. <laughs> I love Absolutely that. True. Is that not the most ironic thing in the world? <laughs> that is so yeah. funny. Wow. So, um, fast forward a few years, and um, there was budget cuts, and I ended up being a um, clerk, from being a selector to a clerk at the library overnight. And wow. I was having I was having one of those midlife crisis, and my wife said, "You've always wanted to write. Why don't you do that?" And I had just reviewed a book for Library Journal, and I'll mention the book in a minute. 
Um, and I had this sudden thought, well, why don't I interview the guy who wrote that book? So I contacted Library Journal, and they said, oh, you, you know, if we were, would have done that, we would have run it with the review. Sorry. And so the thought of interviewing this guy just wouldn't go away. So I ended up uh, approaching my local newspaper. I'm in Seattle. And oh. they said, all right, we'll give you a shot. Sure, go ahead and do the interview with the author. And uh, then I realized, wait a minute, I've never written – an interview with an author in my life, and maybe I should have asked the author. (laughs) (laughs) So I did it the wrong way. So I contacted the publisher and contacted the author, and the author agreed. And so my very first author interview was a guy named Dan Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah. He has the best-selling book in the world. Yeah, Da Vinci Code. Yep. Yeah, Da Vinci Code was the book I reviewed. So I have Dan Brown to thank for getting me started in actually beyond doing book reviews. That's amazing. Boy, so um, how many reviews and interviews do you think you've done since you started with Library Journal? Um, I would say probably several thousand. It's amazing. Do yeah, you have um, a, a a favorite, and do you have a not favorite one that didn't go so well, in, as far as an interview uh, is concerned? Do you have a favorite that you've done? Oh wow! Oh. <laughs> um, I would. I know say it's asking the, you to choose which kids you like the best, right? Or but but you know some people it just it just goes. Excuse me, I have a whining cat who wants to sit down with the oh, interview. Okay. Um, <laughs> Butterscotch. I'm a kitty. Butterscotch. I love kitties. What's the name? Butterscotch. Yeah, he's my only boy. I have nice. four others that are girls. Yeah. But anyway, oh, um, okay. so what was your Scratch favorite interview? Oh, there you go. What was your favorite interview? <laughs> um, my favorite interview was probably Bob Crace. And oh. the reason I say that is because he just opened up his heart to me and I learned so much about myself at the same time. And one of the things that I still am amazed by is I ended up not being able to use a huge chunk of that interview I did with him because of a word count limit. And there was stuff in there that it was, I wanted to put in there so desperately, and it just wouldn't work for the interview to work. And um, I still oh. thank him to this day for just being so open and great with me. You know, yeah, I've interviewed nice, him several nice times. He's a super nice guy. I've gone to several of his book signings when he's been down in Florida. And it's really interesting to me that he is one of the few authors who, at a signing, will actually read passages from his book. And I was fascinated by that because, you know, we all take in a book as individuals. We There's... There's no collective energy surrounding a bunch of people reading the same book. We don't get the same feeling. We don't form the same ideas about characters or storylines or anything else. But hearing dialogue and hearing just the writer's words of those stories, because he's one of my favorite favorite authors of all time, um, to me was a gift, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. It's a gift yeah. to listen to oh. him talk. And I like the fact that he said he's been asked to option his books 
hundreds of times he will never do it. He said, I don't want my characters to be destroyed by somebody else's vision. He also said that he doesn't go into a great deal of description about the physicality of his characters, which I appreciated because I have a vision of what Elvis and Pike look like, but I don't it's probably not the same as anybody else's. So he, you know, people ask him, well, if you were going to cast the role, who would you cast? He said, I wouldn't. And and that was interesting to me. Well, after seeing the movie hostage with Bruce Willis, I can fully understand why he doesn't want to give up the rights to those characters. Sure. <laughs> oh man. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I, absolutely. I was, I was at a book expo uh, and I saw he was doing a signing. So I just got in line to say hi. And a person next to me was asking me what I did and I was telling them I was a book reviewer and a writer. And uh, they said, well, you know, are you a big fan of, you know, Robert Grayson? I said, love his stuff. I'm just in line to say, hi, I already have the book because you know, the publisher already sent it to me to review. Right. And the person didn't believe me and they're like, Oh sure. And so I get up there <laughs> and Bob sees me and his publicist sees me and they go, Jeff, how you doing? What's going on? Why are you waiting in line? And the person staying next to me also gives me this look, you know, of like, oh, my gosh, you weren't lying to me at all. And from that point on, after I left, that person followed me around for like 20 minutes trying to. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) It is kind of. I mean, yeah, it is. You know, there's a certain sense of, um, I think, appreciation when people know that you talk to writers. um, And especially. You and I are lucky because we read across genre. We read a lot of different authors. I think the average reader probably chooses the same, maybe 10 authors to read or 12 authors throughout their, you know, their year. They read one book a month and it's always the same. I think you and I are lucky, oh. Jeff, and people in this business who, who get to interact with writers and meet them in person and read all kinds of different stories. So are you a fan uh, of one agree. particular are you a fan of any one particular genre? Um, thrillers are my are my jam, but uh, to be honest, I read sci-fi, I read so uh, I. history, and mm-hmm. um, I really like a good nonfiction. And especially now, because I'm researching a, a novel I'm writing, and so it's a lot of reading nonfiction. And so I really appreciate the people who can write really good nonfiction narratively. So what kind of nonfiction are you talking about telling a true story about crime or a place or history, or are you talking about a bi- biography, an autobiography or a memoir? Cause they're totally different kinds of, right. of nonfiction. Yeah. I'm really fascinated by um, how things are created and uh, there was a book by Richard Snow a while back about how Disneyland was created, and that right. was fascinating to me. Um, and I'm currently reading H.W. Brands, and he's written a book about the history of the American West. And just the thought of, you know, um, so long ago, it would take you two weeks to get from Washington, D.C. to Philadelphia. Now you can, you can hop on a train and be there in an hour and a half. Right. Just that stuff fascinates me. Right. Yeah, I understand. I would imagine so. Obviously, you like science fiction because you wrote um, you wrote about Star Wars. Let's talk about Star Wars. Do you remember well, seeing Trek. the first? Well, oh, oh, is it Star Trek? I put Star Wars. What am I stupid? Yeah. I, I no, missed. No, I missed a lot, the last of people, a lot of people. 
people who don't follow the the um, franchise like do get them mixed up all the time. I, I do too. Well, I, I like them both, but I'm sorry, I I put Star Wars and I should have said Star Trek. So, do you <laughs> remember seeing the first one? Yes. Tell me, what was your reaction? <laughs> when, I was, when, when I was a little kid, um, I saw an episode where there was this big rock creature that was uh, eating rocks and killing people yeah. who are miners. Yep. And I thought, this is fascinating. And I thought it was a Monster of the Week type show. And then when they end up telling you that, no, this is actually just a mom protecting her kids, I went, whoa, what is this? You know, totally surprised me because it just totally took the monster of the week and made you realize that it wasn't a monster at all. And I love that. And I loved just the whole look at humanity that that show did. And I, I was hooked. And so I've been a fan of Star Trek ever since. And even the new incarnations up through I uh, like Star them Trek all Picard too. And, yeah, I like them all yeah. too. I, I think they're fascinating. It's kind of like opposite of how we're living now. It's a very, you know, idyllic kind of you know vibe going on in, in the universe but um but uh not really true i mean obviously it kind of feels dystopian well, now so well the, the thing is star trek's always been a reflection of our current times yes and then projecting that we can do better and i yes. like that and especially now the show is a little darker than I'm used to, but on the other hand, since it's reflecting our current times, I wouldn't expect it to be any different. So let me ask you this. Was that your first published book? The yes. The was, Voyages was, of Imagination? Yes, it was. Um, I had been buying all the Star Trek novels up to that point, and I still get them. And there was over 550 of them at that time when wow. that book came out. And so basically my book was a guide to all the novels. Wow. Are you there? People, Jeff, did I lose I'm you? Here. Oh, there you are. Okay. Can sorry, you, you buzzed out for a minute. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, so it was it was an oral history of the book, or a star, oral history of Star Trek, and a reflection on the shows and also the writers and why they were inspired to write about Star Trek. And it was officially licensed and everything. And it was wonderful to be part of that. How fabulous for you. Now you just released an, um, a book in June. Did you not? Uh, no, I wish I had. Not, that's oh, another okay. guy who stole my name. That's a different, so that's the guy the record, who stole your name. Okay. Yeah, no, Go ahead. The, um, I'm not the guy who did the skate the thief. Okay. I'm also not the basketball player. I'm not no, the I sure. uh, comic book store <laughs> owner. And I'm also not uh, the guy who wears the baby bop costume in Barney. Oh, good. Good. I'm so glad. So, so tell me, <laughs> who are you then? <laughs> who are you I, then? I ask, I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you no, writing I, another I, book? Let's find. Let's do this. Are you writing another book? Yes. So, um, a couple of years ago, I had a book deal with a publisher, a major publisher, to um, do a conspiracy thriller, 
And um, because of publishing changes and stuff, I ended up taking the book back. And so my agent is shopping that again. Um, It's about Galileo, and I loved writing that book. Um, I also have a cozy mystery that I wrote with another author. And uh, my agent is shopping that as well. And she also is currently working on a contract for me to do a nonfiction book. How wonderful. So you're and, and then I'm also working on a, a thriller. And you're so constantly yeah, in the state of writing. You're always writing, whether you're interviewing, whether you're reviewing, whether you're writing your own books, or you're doing your podcast with John Robb. You are always, always writing, aren't you? Um, I would say yes, um, but there are times like when I was working as a producer on Virtual Thriller Fest this year. There was times I couldn't, but I was still involved with the writing process because I was getting to help wonderful writers and wonderful folks like yourself. Ah, thank you. So let's talk about Virtual Thriller Fest because you handled Master craft fest virtual master craft fest correct did you do some of the other interviews as the video interviews as well i did two interviews for that i I was supposed to do three but one of the persons i was supposed to interview um because of the pandemic and because they were working on a new movie um Mm -hmm. we ended up not being able to do it and i totally understand that so how many video casts did you did you produce for virtual thriller fest um, over a hundred. What did you, as a writer, learn from doing those video casts? I learned that the number one rule is there's no rules. Right. I and that's fascinating to me because every single person will tell you the one thing, and that one thing is always different. And sure. so I. So I, I remember when um, I got to go fishing with my grandfather before he passed away. It, he went to this place every year for like 30 years. It was off the coast of um, Vancouver Island. It was an isolated place. You had to fly in by seaplane. And I'd never been fishing in my life, and I was terrible at it. And so what I did is I went to everybody in that place, and I said, how do you catch a fish? And each person said, this is the one way to catch a fish. And each person told me something different. Different, yeah. And so what, I, so what I did is I took that information, put it into my wheelhouse, like, okay, what can I do with these things? Right. Worked out, this is how I can do this and make it work. And I went out and caught a fish. You worked out your one thing, what your one thing was for you. Yes, yes. And I see that as writing is the same way it's everybody has their own thing that makes it work for them and it might be the same for me but it might be different and it's about adapting to make it work for you because if you take someone else's advice and that doesn't work for you then you're going to be frustrated and not succeed that's how I see it. Interesting. So um, I'm going to skip back to something I said in my introduction. I want to know what John Grisham had to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wonderful thing, um, first of all, uh, when I asked, I never thought in a million years he'd say yes. So that was really cool. Uh, he was one of those authors I've always wanted to talk to. Right. And to me, it was about 
how do you motivate yourself when you're the when you're a household name? Right. Have you, you know, he he could stop writing today, and people would still consider him, you know, a household name and talk about his career. But he continues to keep going. And if you think about it, his brand is different. He's done nonfiction. He's written books about baseball. Yep. You know, and he doesn't do series. And it was fascinating to me because I always love the, and I bring this up on the podcast I do with John Robb, why do some people write series and why do some people not? And again, it falls into the, you know, series. What works for you. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And also because he was an author who wrote a book and nobody bought it. Absolutely nobody bought it. He was trying to sell it out of his trunk of his car and was not succeeding. But then he turned around and wrote The Firm, and then all of a sudden, boom. There you go. And, <laughs> yeah. I love to listen to him speak, guy. too, that very gentle southern accent, but it's so refined. And he's so eloquent when he speaks. It, it makes me want to – well, I have all of his books, so, but it makes me want to go back and reread them kind of in his voice. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, because should, he, he should do uh, audiobooks of his work. He really should That'd do cool. his own audiobooks. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, are you an audiobook fan? Uh, sometimes. Um, I will admit that when I was, when we were able to actually go out and do things, I listened to a lot of audiobooks driving. But now that I'm stuck at home, I'm discovered that I prefer just the print at this point. Right. Um, I have never listened to an audiobook ever. I'm afraid that if I don't keep my concentration on, on the words on a page or on my Kindle, that I'll drift off. Something else will come into my mind and it'll become like ambient noise to me. Although everyone swears that's not true, that you get into the book. But I know how it is. Like when, I, when I'm vacuuming, like I'll turn on ABBA and I end up putting the vacuum down and dancing around my living room, you know. So I can't imagine <laughs> me staying single-mindedly, mindedly focused on the narrator's voice. So what Is I find you become a dancing queen. Am, am I reflecting this? Question? Yes, that is exactly okay. correct. And SOS, okay. absolutely. <laughs> so okay. Uh, well, so knowing me, knowing you. you. Anyway, oh, yes. There you go. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> or Fernando. Um, <laughs> I have the whole, I have the entire CD series. You don't even have to go there. Um, so here's what I want to ask you. Too. Thank you. I love you. What do you think about the resurgence of audio dramas? And I say resurgence because in our folks' time before television, they listened to serialized radio shows. And now many people are doing audio dramas, which I find fascinating, with multiple characters, as few as two and as many as 40, I think. Uh, what do you think about that? I absolutely love it. Um, any way that you can express yourself as a writer to tell the story you want to tell whether it be on the page, whether it be on film, whether it be audio, I love it. And it's really neat to know that, let's say, I read this book and go, I really like this book. And then, oh, wait, there's an audio version that has a multiple cast. I'm going right. to 
listen to that for sure. Um, there was a few years ago, um, back to Star Trek, um, the guy who played Q on Next Generation, he and Leonard Nimoy, um, they did a thing called Alien Voices, and they did radio ad- adaptations of classic sci-fi novels like H.G. Wells' The Time Machine and things like that, and those wow. were fantastic. Well, yeah, I, I wish also, they would I'd continue to do those. Here's some trivia for you. The guy who played Q was a nerd on my soap opera that I watched when I was in junior Days of Our Lives. Yes! Eugene Bradford. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Stefano oh, DeMiro, God. the Phoenix. Yeah, no, I, I, yes. I have no idea what you're talking about. No you're idea like... what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're, I know I, I promise you it only take 20 minutes, but I could talk to you for hours because, you know, we have so many things in common. Um, your recommendations for a nonfiction book for listeners. Oh, wow. Um, I really like what Brad Meltzer has been doing with nonfiction lately. He's taking uh, historical figures that we all know, like George Washington right. and Abraham Lincoln, and putting a thriller spin on it, but it's real. So he talks about the first conspiracy was the attempt to try and assassinate George Washington before he became president. There was an attempt on Lincoln's life before he made it to the first inauguration. Um, both of those books are absolutely fascinating. So I would highly recommend those. They're great for Brad true crime. Does, they're great for history. But he also does the children's series just like that too. I am George Washington, or he picks a character yes. from 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 either history or even more current, and writes a great children's series too. He's a very creative man. You know, he's very talented. Oh, he is. He's done graphic novels and uh, his yeah. Regular novels are great, too. Yeah, no, I was just amazed by how much he is able to make actual history read like a thriller. And both of those books I highly recommend. Okay, best thriller that you're recommending right now? Right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say uh, Jason Pinter's Hideaway. Oh, yeah, it's great. That's a good book. Yeah, Jason well, good. was on, too. <laughs> Yeah, like well, I like okay. Jason and all Loved his people. It. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got some real good writing chops. Of course, that's how he started off before Polis and Agora. For those of you who don't know, Jason Pinter is the publisher of Polis Books and its imprint Agora. Um, what is yep. the most love it uh, the book that didn't get the recognition it deserved? That's interesting. Um, I boy, that's that's really good. Um, I would say the series that I feel like isn't getting the visual and oomph that it deserves is the Orphan X series by Greg Hurwitz. Yeah. Are you familiar with those? Oh yeah. God, I love those. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say another one that should have been the Where the Crawdads Sing book, and I don't know why it wasn't, was Marsh King's Daughter by Karen Dion. Karen's going to be on next uh, next month. Yeah. She got oh, a lot of reviews. Her new book, she Wicked got Sister, is terrific. Yes. I haven't read it yet. I'm waiting for this publicist to, to, to send it to me. Um, yeah, oh. I, I agree with you. I think that her – I think Marsh King's Daughter, I thought everybody knew about that. She had great reviews, and I'll bet – you're right. It should have been just as good as Crawdads. It, it should have been. 
you know, and she's yeah. a terrific lady too. Very funny, very kind. Um, do you read yeah, when fantasy I got caught at all? And read it, I went, why is this one? <laughs> right. Um, why this and not this? Exactly. Um, do yeah. you read fantasy uh, at all? I read some. Um, I'm a big Terry Brooks fan. Um, mm-hmm. The Shannara books I'm a, I really, really like. Um, and I've, of course, read the Game of Thrones because I think that's a requirement. But, you know uh, who I I, I like? I actually like. Well, I like James. I like Jim Butcher's books. I like the Dresden Files, I, I, very, very much. That was my first, my first turn on into the fantasy genre. Um, I also like Naomi Novik. I love Lee Bardugo. Oh my God. Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom were just amazing. I just, I just love those books. Um, as far as well, – uh, go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask you a question. Um, so a book I've been told to read, and I never did until now. I have it in my hands. It's Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And, and I heard it was I've great, and I have not read it yet. I've not read it yet, okay. but I've, I've heard – my friends are saying it's a great book. I'm, you and I are probably alike, Jeff – we probably have as many books on the to be read shelf as, as are on the already read shelf and including <laughs> exactly. stuff in Kindle. So I mean, my second bedroom is now a library. I'm not joking. There's not a surface in my home that, that doesn't have a book on it, but I'm actually way, I'm anxious to read um, Daniel Silva's new book. Cause I love Gabriel Alon. I think he's a great character. And I, I wish that, I wish that, uh, Robert Crace would write faster. I want another Elvis and Joe book. And I'm anxious to see uh, Michael Connolly's Lincoln Lawyer book because all the cast comes together again. So I'm, I'm looking I forward to that. Yeah. Do you read Robert yeah. Downey? I do. And I love yeah. his books. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I have his new book, The Last Agent, which is a follow-up to the, um, of course, Don Blanking. It was a follow-up to The Eighth Sister, and I'm right. really looking forward to diving into that. that I am terrific. looking for a, rec- a recommendation for a techno-thriller, because I love techno-thrillers so much. Or a really good spy book, like, um, let, me, let me think. Let me think about a good spy book that really sent me so over the edge. you're talking about like Mark Greeny or a... Um, I've re- like read all Mark's. I, I've got all their books, Matt Bentley and, and Mark Graney. I've read all their books. I have that. I want something really high tech, like um, I am Pilgrim, or um, I have a friend, Terrence Ooh. McCauley, who wrote the uh, who wrote um, the University series, very high tech, you know, um, techno thriller spy stuff. I really like. Like I'm still, give me Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and I'm a happy camper, and anything in there. Anything in Ludlam, I love. Uh, my friend Brian Freeman just came out with his new book, which is in oh, the Ludlam. The Bournes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yep. So I love the Bournes. I like I, oh, a see, lot of that old I, stuff. I wish Gail Lenz was writing still because um, I yeah. love her spy stuff so much. Yeah, yeah. She got me hooked I love on the it. genre, so yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had you know David Morrell hooked me on the genre with Brotherhood of the Rose, and when I first oh, I met him, book. yeah, me too. You should see my book. It's tattered. The <laughs> covers scotch tape together. So, and this kind of brings in John Land, by the way. Um, I when well, the first thriller well, I fest I that. went, I know the first thriller fest I I um, went to. Um, John was the media contact person, and so. 
I had books with me in my, I brought like hardly any clothes, but I brought all my books of people that I wanted to sign. Plus I must, I, I think I bought like a hundred more books, but I had this tattered and torn copy of Brotherhood of the Rose by David Morrell. For those of you who don't know, and you know, he's probably just born yesterday. He is the creator of Rambo. But anyway, I walked up to Dick. <laughs> well, first of all, John says, come on, I'm going to introduce you to David Morrell. I was almost in tears. <laughs> I was so excited to meet him. And I, ha- I hand him my book and John says, get rid of this. Go buy yourself a new book. And I said, no, I've, I've read this book 20 times. And God bless David Morrell. He, he takes, takes my hand. He gets the book. He goes, John, leave her alone. He said, this is a well-loved and well-read book. And so he signed that book and then went over to the book table and at, at, at the book room and then picked up Shimmer, which was his next book that had just come out, and signed that one for me also. So that's my story with, uh, with having my book signed by, to me, the ultimate spy novel, the first one that I ever read that I, I fell in love with. So um, my David Morrell story is that I was teaching a class with another writer on editing and mm-hmm. we had a big crowd and David Morrell was the keynote speaker at this conference and David Morrell walks in, waves at us and then goes and sits in the audience. And I said, hold on, hold on. And I said, <laughs> what are you doing? And he goes, well, I came to listen to you. And I said, no, no, no you're getting up here. So he came up, and so the three of us taught this class on the spot, and it was it was yeah. the most surreal experience ever. And I just loved, I still remember just how amazing that was. That I'm I know, I, I often invite him. I often invite him to be a guest host because he's just so fascinating to listen to. We are out of time. And I'm so sad for that because I really want to continue to talk to you, but I have another guest coming up. Jeff, where can everyone find you for your books, your reviews, and just to chat with you on social media? Um, pretty much the only thing I stay on is Facebook nowadays, so you can find me on Facebook. Um, I try to avoid social media, to be honest, and uh, my agent's trying to get me to get a website set up, so... I'm one of those that uh, tries to lay as low as possible. <laughs> okay. Um, now, oh, and real quick, I should find... announce something to your listeners. Yes, please do. Um, um, I am the new co-director of Thriller Fest. Yay! You and and um, and Kim are going to do it together. Uh, Kim is now the director of ITW. Of ITW. And I'm going to be. Yeah, and then I'm going to be uh, working as a co-director with a woman named Jessica Saunders, and she's terrific. Fantastic. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. I'm thrilled for you. I am thrilled for you. Um, Jeff, where can we find your reviews? Um, Well, you can Google my name, and as long as, like I said, you avoid the other ones I mentioned, um, just put my name in Associated Press and everything pops up. You had a link to the muckrack that has a lot yes. of my reviews as well. Yes, yeah. I have that. Thank you so much for coming on with me tonight. I have so enjoyed just talking books with you. It it gives me a thrill to um, to be able to chat with someone who loves books as, and on writers as much as I do. Thank you so much for being with me. Do you promise to come back? It's been a pleasure. I promise to come back just uh, anytime. I'll be here. 
Thanks, Jeff. And thanks, listeners. I'm so glad you were here tonight. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you all later. Bye-bye.